Amen. Thank you, Roman. I love you. Is everybody happy? Hallelujah. Well, four of you were happy, but I'm assuming everyone else was, was so overwhelmed with joy. Um, there's a little community in the, the beautiful history of Christianity called the Moravians. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Moravians, besides church historian Gene, which, praise God. I want to become modern-day Moravians. Let me explain why. This little group of refugees from, I believe, the Czech Republic were fleeing their home country, and there was a wealthy count named Count Zinzendorf who had his own property that he allowed the refugees to come and to live. It never grew larger than 300. And there was so much disunity between different streams of Christianity. And one service, I believe it was 1722, just because some of you can email me later. I'm sorry, 1727, at a baptism and communion service, the Spirit of God broke in in a spirit of unity they began a 100-year prayer meeting 24-7, 365 for 100 years. The spirit of unity in this tiny little community, very small, never grew larger than 300, was the first really modern explosive missionary movement. This little group, families from this little Moravian Christian Jesus community went all over the earth spreading the good news of the gospel. The reason why I want to be Moravians is because it connects with my heart. Would I like to have this place all the way full as a big church, as a man and as a pastor and as a young man? Sure, it would feel good, but you want to know what I want way more? A big people who live for God's mission in all of life. And that, that I appreciate the golf clap, but... I'm actually dead serious. Um, all week, because I know we're in missions month, and I've just been praying, and you know, for 12 days I was in Hebrews, and now I'm in the book of Acts, so I'm just, that gospel going out into all the world, just burning in my spirit. But I've just reflected on our little flock, our little group. Look around you. We always have visitors, people come and go, and... Um, like, I, know, I already know, I'm looking at, I see several families that are gone. I know some are on vacation, some have been fighting sickness. But I'm like, God, what do you want to do with us rascals? <laughs> like, you do know there are better churches in this city who have way better, better programs, better. And I, my point in saying that, A, to honor the church in this city and region. I have so many good friends. I love the church in Santa Maria and, and the Central Coast. But I believe you're here because you are not a normal breed of Jesus follower. You want to be provoked and equipped and empowered to live beyond your means for the sake of the gospel. Because if you're not here for that, it's going to stink. Because I believe that just like we've been pursuing like unity and the spirit and we're, tr we're doing the altar and praying, 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 believing, believing, believing. Man, I'm believing that the Spirit can touch us and then can equip us to live 
uh, a story that we would look back in the age to come 800 million years from now and go, gosh, wasn't it cool to be a part of that story? Or you can just want to be a part of a normal, safe, and there's nothing wrong with normal or safe. Or, but just as your pastor and brother, my heart aches for so much more. So much more. Um, I was reflecting probably about a year ago that playing it safe is more dangerous than we think. That's a good one-liner. Tweet it or you don't do Twitter, but that line just struck my heart probably a year or so ago. That just as we think about our addiction to comfort and safety and predictability, not just in a service, but in out there in the real stuff of life. But playing it safe is more dangerous than we can imagine. If you agree, say amen. amen. So I'm just going to make some quick work this morning. Um, it's so funny as I pray and think about you like all week. I always think it's going to happen differently and then here we are. And even, did you know that even me, I should say especially me, I have to overcome fear all the time. I mean, all the time. All the time. Even here with this group, and I, I look at you guys in the face and I think, can I really share what I want to share? Can we really become those kind of people? Can I just be honest? That, that, that just that swirl of, could it really happen? Or... And that, honestly, that's why I'm a person of the word, because it doesn't really matter how I feel at the end of the day. I'm going to wake up in the morning, get in the word, pursue his face, and I'm going to get his perspective, not mine. So anyway, today's talk is called Joining the Jesus Mission. Say that with me. Joining the Jesus Mission. I'm just going to, we're going to click through this quickly, 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 quickly. There are three times the Bible expressly says Jesus came to fill in the blank. So just, I will send you these notes if you're, like, breaking your wrist trying to keep up. It's okay. So how many would think it'd be pretty cool to understand the reason the Son of Man came, the reason Jesus came? Raise your hand if you think that's a, probably a decent thing that Jesus' followers would want to know. Why did he come? Here it is. And I have to give total credit to where it's due. I've known these Bible verses for decades but to see them put together, I read a book called A Meal with Jesus by a guy called Tim Chester or Timmons. I'll give you the author. So this, I'm giving him credit. This part is credit to where it's due. He's the one who gave me this, this seed. Just unapologetic. Amazing book. It's this thin, A Meal with Jesus. It's awesome. So the Son of Man came. Are you ready? Number one, the Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So central to the reason Jesus came and he left his beautiful spot in heaven for all eternity with the Father and the Spirit. The reason he's like agreed with the Father to become a man and to live among us and to heal and to forgive and to give his life as a sacrifice. The reason he did that wasn't to be served, but to give his life in service to God's purposes. So the reason the Son of God came was to give his life away. Oh. So that's why he came. Everyone say amen. amen. Why? For the Son of Man came, read it with me, to seek and to save 
the lost. He came to give his life away as a ransom and to serve. Why? Because he wanted to seek and save that, that which, would, which was lost. Which, what was lost when humans chose to rebel against God? Relationship. Relationship. We could say everything. When humans fell, it all fell. Thorns and thistles. I mean, relationships. Yeah, we, I preach about it every week. So he came to give his life away, and then he came to seek and save the lost. How would Jesus do this? This is my favorite one. It's the third, the Son of Man came phrase, favorite. For the Son of Man came eating and drinking. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So here, get your grand theological brains on. Ready? The Son of Man came to give his life away as a ransom. Woo, we all like the cross. Everyone say amen for the cross. And we know he did this to seek and save that which was lost, which we've established for years, but today we're saying everything. He came to, he came to usher in God's new creation, God's new covenant, to save humans through his grace and love. Now, how would Jesus do that during his earthly life? He ate and drank with people far from God. We all think, oh, the Holy Son of God, he gave it to the cross. Yeah, but the means by which and through which he drew people to his love and kindness was by spending time with people who were far from him. Spending time with people that culture and society, and especially his religious culture, they said, nope, they're untouchables. How many are thankful that your untouchableness did not stop the grace of Jesus from finding your life? Jesus said it just flat out. I, you know, I, I haven't come for those who are healthy. Right? They don't need a doctor. I've come to call the righteous, I'm uh, sorry, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Paul just kind of helps us. Paul, he wrote 13 letters at least that we know of in the New Testament. He just comes right out and say it. Let's read this scream together. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul was a former, you know, breathed out murderous threats. He hated the Jesus church until he met Jesus. Now, so here's the question. How many people does he want saved? Cheaters. Let's read it. I'm serious. We have to, if we don't believe, listen, I know we can all say all. I can say all. I put these Bible verses together like I did. But my heart is that we would live like we believe them. How many know our confession of believing these things and these things driving and forming our attitudes and actions is a whole nother thing? So I, this is one of the best verses. I read Second Peter a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, man, that little letter at the end of my Bible, I don't read enough. It was really good. But there's this little nugget in there. Let's read it together. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. How many know right now the reason I love, I, my, my kiddos and I are doing our devotions through 1 Corinthians 13 this week. And how many know the first description that Paul gives love? Love is patient. And I think the reason it's first is because like, to let love have its way, it's going to take some time. Can I get an amen? Like, I don't get it. 
How many know that right now in salvation history, we live between the time Jesus came, died, rose, ascended, and the time Jesus comes? You want to know what this whole little framework of time is called? The patience of God. We are living, we are breathing patient love of God oxygen. Oh, man. Why? Because he wants the full number to come in. He doesn't want any to perish. How many of you think any includes? Sorry, this is very elementary teaching today. How many of you think any includes? Your neighbor? That work person that you just can't stand? Your spouse? Maybe your spouse isn't a believer? That family member that you're really looking forward to see over the holidays? Your prodigal? Friends, we are living in the patience of God. We're breathing patient love air in. He loves the world so much, he's patient. In, in case you needed one more, this, I think this is the last of my big string of just mission of God passages. There's more, but these are a lot. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires. How many? And to come to the knowledge of the truth, which is a, don't think classroom and whiteboard, think experiential relationship with God. God wants everyone to experience by his spirit, his direct love for them. That's the knowledge of the truth. This is the heart of our God. It's the reason Jesus, when the father tapped him and said, it's time. I prepared a story for you, son, that we agreed upon from eternity past, that you were going to give your life as a ransom. You were going to seek and save the lost. You were going to spend time in your earthly ministry, eating and drinking with those far from me to show my church that I'm building upon you, son, how to live and partner with me. So we see Jesus' heart, like this is the pinnacle of his heart, very famous passage. We're doing so good. We're clicking through. Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of his kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are Few. Let's read that part again. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. How many know that all around us in our everyday stuff of life, I'm, I mean, yes, go to Cambodia, go to Egypt and Africa, and I believe that we're going to be, a, I, I want to I see us become a modern-day Moravian 
crazy people who go over, all over the world to preach the gospel. Who's coming with me? Amen. But if you just think, it's, i, I got to start there, then you're missing that the Lord has a harvest field all around all of us in our everyday stuff of life already. If you agree, say amen. My neighbor, my, my, my colleagues at work, my, my friend circle, my, my workout buddies, my running buddies. I mean, all around us there are sheep without knowledge that the shepherd who is good has a plan for their life. Do you believe that? All around us. All around us. And the Lord's like, ask me to send out workers. Interestingly, I don't have it on the screen. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. It's the next verse. Those that he said pray are the ones he sent. A.W. Tozer, the great revivalist and devotional writer, genius of the, of the uh, mid-1900s, mid he said, many of us are trying to substitute praying for a bang, and it won't work. How many know when we pray, we pray on the balls of our feet, knowing that the Spirit might just tap or fill us and then empower us to go in the direction we're praying? How many know it's like your prayer is like a laser target for the provision and power of God, but I'm going to move in the direction I'm praying. So if I'm praying for my neighbor, I'm going to move towards my neighbor. Come on. If I'm praying towards my prodigal, I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. I'm going to continue to love them. I'm going to go towards them. I'm, you understand, our prayers are, are the way we partner with God. He clears the rubble. He clears the airwaves. He confounds the God of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And in that prayer, we can step in with confidence that the Lord is preparing us to walk in the wake of our praying. So here he is in 38, pray that God would raise up workers, Matthew 10, 1 through the whole chapter. They became the workers. Okay. Coming into agreement with the heart of the good shepherd who loves the masses. How many believe God loves our city and our region? Um, amen. How many believe that? Amen. We believe, we believe he loves the masses. It, when Jesus sees the crowds, he's not like, oh, let's, let's avoid them. He's like, I love them. I love them so much. And I can see, even though there's a mass of humanity, I can see the brokenness and the, the confusion and that they're harassed. They're, they're being dragged all over in their life with misplaced love and desires and idolatry and brokenness and misplaced hope. And my heart's moved for them, for them. Jesus can see that. Jesus wants the harassed and helpless among us to find a pasture and to find leadership under his goodness and under his love. But the laborers are few. How many would love to be a part of seeing that trend turned around? Jesus, the good shepherd, is the only one able to bring us into life, into wholeness into flourishing. Jesus said it like this, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. 
I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. This is why he's burning with compassion when he sees sheep that are wandering without a shepherd in their life. His heart breaks. Why? Because I, I want to give them eternal life that they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all, all else, and no one can snatch it out of my Father's hand. So when Jesus sees his world and he sees his his image-bearing creation, his heart breaks when they have not yet discovered God's love for them. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? I try to pray it almost every day. I don't, I don't do it every day, but I, I try to run. I've ran four days this week, and then I usually walk every day just around my neighborhood praying. But regularly I pray a very, very huge, fancy theological prayer. Ready? Father, break my heart for what breaks yours. Very complicated, I know. Father, give me the heart of your son. Who's on Facebook? Raise your hand. I, uh, I just posted, that was a shameless plug, not because I want followers, but as your pastor, I'm always posting devotional thoughts. Not that you have to go, go directly to Jesus, I'm just trying to resource each other. Everyone say amen. And one of those things, I made a very long document on how to ask for God's heart for the harvest field. Maybe I'll email you later. But in it, principally, it's when I walk and when I pray, I'm like, God, let me see what you see. How many know it always starts with seeing? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. How many, when you hear the gospel, when you hear the word, faith begins to rise in your heart? When you sing the gospel, when we, when we declare his truth, faith rises. But you want to know where compassion comes? It comes from your eyes. Faith comes by hearing, but when he saw the crowds, compassion welled up in his sut, in his goal. It's literally his splankton, like in his guts, compassion rises because of what he saw. How many of us are tired of living with our eyes closed? Besides me. Besides me. My eyes are closed way too often. This isn't at you. This is for us as we think about God's mission for his world. He wants to bring all of humanity into his pasture, submitted under his life-giving leadership. Why? Because he's just dead set on giving us life more abundant. You see what I did there? He's just dead set on every person experiencing life as he designed it. We've already established he wants everyone to experience that. Amen. Say amen. Give me a thumbs up. Everyone. So it's not a matter of where's, my, where's the harvest field. It's, Lord, do I have eyes to see the harvest around me? Turn to your neighbor and say, you already are in a harvest field all day long, every day in your everyday stuff of life. The question is, don't say all of that because you forgot all of that. <laughs> Just say, you're in a field. Say it. You're in a field. You're already in a field. The question is, do you have eyes to see? Do you have a heart? Do you... I love this. Well, I don't love this. My Apple Watch, sometimes it's so annoying. I don't have anything on it. I just run and keep track of my heart and pace. I ran this morning pretty good. Anyway, um, but I, I wake up and it says, there wasn't enough room on the hard drive to download the newest update. 
And how many of us would say, I have no space in my heart or mind or life to get a download of God's heart for the world because it's already full? I'm too preoccupied with me. I mean, in my life, me, 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 me. Remember, principally, Jesus came to give his life away. How many know if my life is characterized by me, my, and me, 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 it's almost impossible. It's like I, I, Apple Watch times infinity. I won't have time to receive what he thinks about those around me if I'm obsessed with me. There's no room on the hard drive. Which is why principally the call to the gospel is the call to deny yourself. Why? So that he can show you who you really are in his love. And then now you're free to participate, to receive from the Father his purpose and his will for those around you. Starting with you. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep. Every one of you was one of those harassed and helpless, shepherdless sheep at one point in your life. But you were going astray like a sheep. So here's the turn for the sermon, because there's hope. Because there's a bunch of sheep that know the shepherd's voice in this room. Can I get an amen? amen. The bunch of you, you're sheep, no offense, but you know his voice. You were going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So the question is, if I've returned, if I've, if I've learned to respond to his voice, then now what? Now what? Now what? Very, 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 pra very practical. We're on the home stretch. Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 10. When the, apostles re oh, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. He had just sent them out on a kingdom mission Go heal, go eat food in front of you. How many are thankful that central to the Jesus mission is eating food? <laughs> Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just glad Jesus loved the table. Maybe you don't like that part about the mission of God. I love it. He came to seek and save the lost and to give his life away and to eat a lot of food with people far from God. Because for most of us, men, you know what I'm talking about, the weight of your heart is through your stomach. Can I get an amen? amen. Not that women don't love food. I mean, I, you know, whatever. We all, you know, just chocolate. <laughs> Whoever said that, praise God. <laughs> so the apostles returned. They're like, Jesus, we did sweet stuff. We healed. We went to homes. We ate food. We did what you told us after you told us to pray that You'd raise up workers, and we found out we were those workers. Oh, but it was awesome. Come on, how many have ever participated in the mission of God? And it was awesome. How many, it was tough. We got rejected, because that's in there, too. It's in there. Just read Matthew 10, Luke 9, and live like a Christian. <laughs> it's awesome. There's rejection. It's difficult, but we always go back to Jesus and check in. Come on. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew. So there's a rhythm. Because I, I am not a, hey, go get busy, but I am a, hey, get into the place where God speaks to you through his word by his spirit and ask him to open your eyes around you today. 
not running frantically. Listen, the world doesn't need harassed and helpless Christians trying to help, help, help helpless and harassed unbelievers with your life and your franticness. Does that make sense? I've come to give you rest, take my yoke. Like one of the most compelling things about Christianity is not, it's I'm learning to rest in his love. And you are restless until you find your place in his love. Let me show you how to do that. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. That's good. So he withdrew by themselves to a town in Bethesda. The crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, and friends, I'm telling you, I'm not an ends day prophet genius, but I think it's late in the afternoon. Can I get an amen? I think it's late. I think that patience of God, I don't think he lacks the resources of patience. Hear me. Say amen. I don't think God's like, oh, I'm about to run out of patience. But how many, how many are looking around you and going, oh my gosh, the chaos, the swirl, the, the enmity, the... I think the church, we're late in the afternoon. So there is an intensity to this message, and it's not just Chad putting good talk together. It's Lord of the harvest, raise up workers. And just so we're clear, Lord, I want to be one of those workers. Because there's people in, in, in my harvest field that no one else can reach because God put me there. It's late in the afternoon. The 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And oh man, that will preach, but let's keep going. Come on, how many know what it is to feel like you're in a remote place? Me, God? want to use me? I'm broken. Come on, how many know what it is to live in a remote place? I can fumble over my words. I can't even pray. I mean, I, Ezekiel, I don't even know where that is in the Bible. Come on, anyone know what I'm talking about where you've experienced the mission of God, but I'm in a remote place, dude. I wasn't going to preach on it, but then all of a sudden, a remote place. You're in over your head. But I want you to know, the whole Christian life is you and I in over our head. That's why it's called faith. The whole Christian life is Peter, Jesus outside on the water, us saying, oh my goodness, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Let's walk. The entire Christian life is walking on water. We're in a remote place. Come on, how many know you're in a remote place? But how many know... There's not a square inch on all of the cosmos of which Jesus does not say, it's mine. And there's not a place in the entire cosmos that his presence can't find you and fill you and form you and fashion you and enable you to still be his witness and citizen to represent his heart wherever you find yourself. But pastor, my, my work is a remote place. Perfect. He knows where to find you. He's equipped you and called you. Not because of what you brought to the table, but because of his infinite love and grace. He's able to take broken, scared, timid people like me and like you, and somehow we can be a part of his kingdom eternal purposes. We're in a remote place. 
We are in a remote place, just the church. I'm just telling you, we're in a remote place. But Jesus is like, give them something to eat. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that remote place excuse does not work with Jesus. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. Something 20,000 if you include women and children. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. See, many of us, we never take the first step of yes or obedience because we're so overwhelmed by the sheer mass of need around us. Am I talking to anyone besides me? He wants to save the world. Crud, I'm out. He's like, take the huge problem, the massive need, break it down. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, break it down. Break it down. Why? Because God knows, guess what? He factored in your weakness and my weakness when he chose to use us for his kingdom eternal purposes. He wasn't like, I'm going to seek and save them, restore them to my family and relationship, fill them with my spirit. Oh, wait, Father, they're incredibly weak. Shocker, he factored in our weakness, our brokenness, our timidness, all into the equation called gospel explosion over all the earth. He factored it into his plan. Come on, that gives me hope. So he's like, hey, all of you who are overwhelmed, break it down. How many know you still can't feed 50 people with five loaves and two fish? But if I got five loaves and two fish for 50, I got a little more faith. You're preaching good. Come on, guys. Get into this word with me. You still have it. I can eat five pieces of bread and two fish. One person. It's okay to laugh in church and have fun. This mission is beyond us. But what else do we want to live for? Do we want to be good people who limp across the finish line like, God, I made it. Look, here's my talent. I buried my whole life. Or do we want to be those who go out swinging for the fences? I mean, I'm so serious. I'm talking to myself. This message is directly, boom. So he's like, break it up into 50. Your five loaves and two fish still couldn't feed that 50, but at least now you're starting to realize that Maybe you can trust me that if I said I made you for this, I might just be able to fill you and empower you to do it. That's good. Okay, keep going. So taking the five loaves and two fish. See, the key is to bring what we got and to submit it to Jesus. Taking the five loaves and the two fish. Whose hands is it in at this point? He gave thanks. He looked up. He gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples. Look at that. Guys, I love this story. There's like three movements. Where are we going to feed them? Break it it down. 
groups of 50. Give me what you got. He takes what we got. Father, we're going to do this, right? Because they had enough faith to at least give me what we gave them. All right, go time. And look what Jesus does. He doesn't go right next into, now crowds, let me feed you. What does he do? Gives it back to his disciples to do the work. Jesus is unbelievable here. Could Jesus have been like the, the, the single breadline guy and just fed everyone? It would have probably taken like a long time. But Jesus is like, I want them to see this one up close. That the whole mission of being a disciple who participates in God's mission, the whole mission is always loaves and fishes. Come on, someone say, it's always loaves and fishes. Always, 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 always. It's always, God. Really? Me? He's like, yeah, you. Then the disciples gave it to the people, and they all, how many? They all ate and were satisfied. And somehow, someway, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So hey, not only if you give yourself fully to my mission to feed the mass of broken humanity and to, be, to become shepherds who draw them to the good shepherd, there's going to be enough for you at the end of the day. Come on, someone say amen to that. Because listen, if, listen, here's why we don't participate. Because God, if I really did that, then what about me? What about my family? The Lord's like, you can trust me on the back end. That if you give me all that you are for my kingdom purposes, there's a basket full for you at the end of the day. Come on, how many have ever, how many have a testimony that when you gave God your whatever you had, that there was something on the back end that blew your mind you couldn't believe that he could still fill your tank, that he could still fill your basket. It's like our story. So there's just simple, practical things. Here it is. The task is beyond us, but don't freak out. Come on, someone say, I'm not going to freak out. I see the 20,000. By the way, George, George Bonner. Thank you, George Bonner, master, master statistician. From Santa Barbara, Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, it's the fourth in the entire country of never church people. Number four, just Google it, Barna, most unchurched areas in the country, number four, never churched in the whole country, Santa Barbara, Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo. So here's what we can do. Oh God, I, there's no way. Or we can go, where's my 50? Oh, don't start with 50. Okay, break it down, break it down. Where's my one? Fourth in the entire country, never churched, never churched, never churched. Oh, man, Lord, your mission is to save the world. We could stay and be, we could be afraid and fearful and never think we could amount to anything. And we'd be like, Lord, I don't have much, but I've got a few loaves and a fish. I'm going to give it to you. Look up. Look up. Guess what you find when you look up into his eyes? He's looking down at you and around you. He's like, 
Yep, I did not make a mistake by placing you in the place you're in. It literally says in Acts chapter 17, 24 through 31, that God has determined the spaces, places in history for every person on the planet to be born for their day. Read it. Acts chapter 17, 24 through 31. He's determined your time, your place, my time and my place. Come on, someone say amen. Okay, Lord, if that's true, I'm going to look up and get your perspective. Everyone say, look up. Give thanks. Why should I give thanks? Because you were a sheep who was wayward, but his grace found you. And if it found you, it can find them. So I'm just going to give thanks. Lord, I, I, it wasn't my idea to go looking for a good shepherd. That good shepherd came and he won my heart with his love. Someone was faithful. I can't tell you, uh, this guy called Mark Bain, he's over the entire evangelism for the church of the Nazarene. He was this hippie drug addict. I've been with him so much. He's the most dynamic evangelist I've ever been around. He drives you crazy because he just cares about people far from God, like all the time. It's annoying. Anyway, <laughs> serious. We want to know how Mark Bain came to faith, this great evangelist who's planted churches. He's in charge of an entire denomination's evangelistic thrust. He got handed a track, Virginia Beach. He was strung out on drugs. Some hippie handed him a track. He cussed him out. Mark Bain went home, and the spirit of conviction came on him in his own room. He repented and came to faith. And now Mark Bain has influenced thousands of churches all over the earth. Come on, someone should have clapped or said amen. Yeah. You think, Chad, if I do this thing, and if I go out to the harassed and helpless and try to bring them in, what do I do? Well, just start feeding them, love them. I, we'll get there at the end. There's very practical things we can do. It's not like, oh, God. This dude who's been used to touch the world, someone gave a track that he cussed out, and then he went, long hair, hippie, God broke in his room, arrested his heart with no one around him. He came to faith, and it's just the rest is history. Listen, you and I, it's not for us to decide the end, it's for us to decide to show up and be faithful today. Come on. You know, if that's the goal, we can do it every day. If I think the end is up to me, I may never take the first step because I'm so overwhelmed. I see sin is so, so strong. I see their addiction is so great. I see they're so full of pride and self-sufficiency. They have money. They have bank accounts. But how many know the Lord's like, if you show up, look up, give thanks, let me break your heart for what breaks mine. Just be faithful and give what you got. You just might be shocked by how you can participate in my purposes today. What, what happened? What, where'd it go? Yeah, it was me, wasn't it? Come on, everyone say, give what you got. No, like you mean it. Give what you got. Jesus uses his disciples to distribute the life-giving nutrition of his bread to broken, harassed, helpless, hungry humanity. Gosh, that's good stuff. In closing, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father, the one who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are resistant, hard. They're ripe. 
even now, the one who reaps and draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Come on, how many want to live in that day? Were those who are sowing, someone's coming faithfully behind you or was faithful to go before you and we're just, we're running over each other because we're just being faithful where God plants us. How many have ever been in a sowing season? You didn't get to see the reaping, but you want to be faithful in the sowing season. Say amen. How many know that season is for God to determine? I don't know how long I got to sow in my workplace or in my neighborhood. I've been prayer walking for five years. Have I seen a bunch come to faith? No, but I've seen one come to faith. Five years, I'm not going to gripe and complain and, and get bitter and critical and say, God, what's wrong with you? I'm just going to keep prayer walking, keep having my eyes open and my heart bent and turned towards him because I'm believing God for my neighborhood, my literal neighborhood. I don't determine how long the sowing season lasts or the reaping season. I just want to be faithful to do my part because you know what? Someone might be coming behind me to reap where I'm sowing today. Come on, that's good. That's good news. Because, you know, you want to you make everyone grumpy or sad in the church, talk about prayer or evangelism or, or mission. Everyone's like, crap, I stink at both. I don't pray enough. I don't know how, and I don't share my faith or do mission. How about we just say, God, I want to be faithful to you today. The one who sows another reaps is true. I sent you to reap where you've not worked for. Did you know that we're already, we're surrounded by people that God in his sovereign grace has already been chipping away at hearts and minds and lives before you showed up? I've sent you to to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you can reap the benefit of their labors. Even now, even now the Lord is preparing people all around us. Do I, would I want this place full of big, big church? Yeah, but you know what I want way more? I want to build a big people who live for his mission in the everyday stuff of life. You know what would make me way more happier? Even if we stayed and waffled around 150, 200, got up to 300, I'd still be happier to know that you would begin to view the front door of your house as the front door of the church. That would, I want to give my life to that vision where our tables become operating tables of hospitality, where the broken around us can find grace with us at the table. Oh, I'm I'm like dying to believe that. Every day, me and the Lord, I'm like, God, give me faith to believe what you believe is possible. Come on, how many know that's a decent prayer? Give me faith to believe what you believe is possible for my life and through my life. Because even when you don't believe, guess who doesn't stop believing? He's the, perf- he's the pioneer and perfecter of this thing called faith. Even when you're waffling and I'm waffling and I'm like, God, there's no way. Me, no way. My neighbor, no way. That neighbor, no way. That colleague, blah, blah, no way. That fa- no way. The Lord's like, bring me your unbelief. Bring me your unbelief and let my belief transcend, infuse, and overtake even that doubt in your heart. If you spend enough time with me, I am the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let what I see, what I say, and what I think become your ultimate reality. So how do we do this practically? This is very practical, very, 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 very practical. Everyone say bless. How many want to be a blessing? How many want to be blessed and to be a blessing? Every hand. Every hand. Um, I've emailed and I've shared these very, very frequently. And if I ever don't know what to pray, I do this. 
So number one, like I said 35 minutes ago, maturity in your faith is when you pray, you begin to go in the direction of your prayers. We all said amen. So, so by, by, by saying, how do I participate in this thing? I want to be blessed and I want to be a blessing. So it's a cheesy acronym and there's some right here at the prayer table and I can email everyone in a, like two seconds. I can post them on our website. So don't freak out. It's blessed. Everyone say B-L-E-S-S. So I don't know how to pray, Chad. What do I do for my neighbors, my colleagues, my coworkers, those who are in the harvest field, my group of 50 or one that you want me to help feed and bring to the shepherd to, to be in your mission? Pray for their body. Pray. I, I walk my neighbor. I'm like, Lord, if there's sickness in my neighborhood, stretch out your hand and heal. It's an acronym, obviously. Bless. Pray for labor. So, Lord, I pray you'd bless those who are working right here in this neighborhood. I pray you'd flourish them at work. Come on. It's easy. Cheesy, right? Easy, cheesy. How many know we don't take the first step when we don't feel equipped or resourced? And even then, when we're over-equipped and resourced, we still have to conquer fear. Am I the only one in the room? I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I know I'm the only one. Emotional. How many know we are the most, medi- we are so, that we are in a, a, a crisis of emotional health in our nation. I mean, that's an understatement. So I pray, Lord, if there's those struggling with mental illness, those, Lord, depression, anxiety, in my neighborhood, in my workplace, this is just an easy way to, to soften the soil. That was good. Social. Lord, I'm praying for right now for, for their relationships. How many know all around us there's people who are struggling with relational strain? Amen. So, Lord, I'm praying right now for relationships. I'm praying in the name of Jesus you'd restore marriages, restore friendships. Lord, fuse. You just pray this everywhere. Bless. I want to be a blessing. And then spiritual. Ultimately, what are we praying? God, bring them to salvation. Let them see and treasure Jesus. Let them, let them know there's a remedy for their sin, for their brokenness, for their shame. It's called the grace of Jesus. Everyone say bless. All right. Okay. Who can do that? Who can like bless their name? Who can, Lord, I'm gonna, that's cheesy bless. Has everyone received that tool? Say amen. Bless. I can bless prayer. Uh, just my point. I don't want to just give theories. I want to give tools. Here's a tool. Okay, then bless lifestyle. Everyone say bless lifestyle. And I will stand up and confess if I did it this week or I didn't. You don't have to with me, but I believe in this. This is so cheesy and easy. B-L-E-S-S. Ready? Begin with prayer. Amen. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. This is how to engage people with the gospel. Did you know Jesus asked 313 questions in his ministry? I found that out because I wrote a book that they counted all the questions. Did you know people around you are dying to be asked questions and to actually be shown an interest in? Say amen if you agree. Here's a huge missional strategy to start your dialogue at work or in your neighborhood. Ready? How are you doing today? Turn to your neighbor and say, oh my gosh, I didn't know that listening might be the greatest missional strategy in a world full of noise. What if our posture was, I'm just going to ask how because guess what? You'll find out. There is this little principle called the mouth speaks what the heart is full of that does not just apply to Jesus followers. 
If you lead with listening, you'll get a read on their heart before you trying to superimpose some strategy you are trying to figure out in the prayer closet how I'm going to force them to become a Christian. What if we just led with love and prayer and asking and then they could just reveal their heart to us? Woo! Oh, Jesus was a question genius. 313 in all the Gospels. Question. He just, how's it going? What do you think? How do you feel? Come on, someone say amen. amen. This is a game changer. If we lead with a posture of humility and prayer and questioning, my neighbor, who's not here, randomly, or was it because we've been praying for five years? I don't, I don't want credit. I'm just all but basically confesses, I'm sort of done pursuing money as my main idol. I don't want to lose my marriage or my kids. Him. We were listening. I didn't even, I'm like, my wife and I are both like, holy cow. He's like, how many, how many know listening? Wow. To ask a question. Amen. Eat. Everyone say eat. Everyone's favorite. We're almost done. You got nothing to do. I got nothing to do. I know, I know. Hey, we're grumbling in the wilderness. You eat 27 times a day if you're normal. I eat probably 40 times. I mean, I mean a week, not a day. <laughs> 27 times in a week. How many think you have one meal to share on purpose with those who are far from God? How many think they could squeeze one of 27 intentionally, leading with prayer, leading with listening, just to engage people who are far from God, kind of like Jesus did? Raise your hand. If that, is that just outlandish? I'm not saying what you need to say at that dinner. I'm just saying lead with listening, pray for them before, after, think about them. God, give me your heart for them. But how many think I could maybe eat a meal with one person or a group of people this week who don't know God? Raise your hand again, just out of curiosity. I mean, I know I could. I mean, it's easy. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Amen. Amen. All right, moving on. Serve. Oh, how many know the good news looks really good when God's people are participating in the gospel? Sharing, showing the love of Jesus in tangible ways. And then ultimately, whenever, whenever God opens the door, Share. What do I start with? The 56 principles found in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> the 800 huge theological truths about the Christological claims of Jesus. And this, Listen, there's a place for all of that stuff. How about you start with, when they ask why you're the way you are, how about you start with, here's the difference Jesus made in my life. Because you know what? No one can talk you out of your testimony. I'm just trying to be practical. Share. Share what? Oh my, I was blind, dude, but now I see. My heart was dead. It was full of sin, full of bitterness and brokenness, but I met this God named Jesus, and he forgave everything. He gave me a purpose, and, and there's this thing that you, it's, hard, it's the Holy Spirit, so his presence is in me and with me, and he reveals God's heart, and there's this book that I just can't wait to open it every day because it's God's love letter to my life, and I just keep seeing his heart, and what do I share? What's Jesus done in your life? How many could do that? Just raise your hand. Now, I'm not going to call on you next week if you did. But I could at least share. I don't know all those answers. But 
All right, I'm done. Stand up. Stand up. You're like, oh my gosh, finally. I didn't want to rush. It was too good. How many were blessed or provoked this morning? Just the word. Not, not because of anything, just that the word was good is all I'm trying to say. How many have just heard God's heart? Just a snippet, a baby snippet of his heart for the world. We're in missions month that, that I just, I'm just so convinced. Just do the math. Look around you. There's 40 or 50, if you count, like households or families or, or people who represent a story. Maybe 100, 100 in here. Imagine 100 people who shared one meal with one person far from God this week on purpose. Do you think God might, like, could he bat, like, two out of 100? God, I get it. You want to save the world. Oh, me, my loaves and fishes? Yeah, your loaves and fishes. What do I do? Realize how blessed you are because you're in Christ. Bless prayer, bless lifestyle. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, this is not, this is good news. This is the good news of the mission of God. He wants to save the world. He wants to remake our neighborhoods, our families, our cities. But he doesn't do it by us being overwhelmed by, oh, my word, we're the fourth unchurched region of the entire country, never churched. But he's like, who's in your field that I put in front of you? And Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, this, is, this wouldn't be a, a raw, raw rally cry, but you would sound the alarm in our spirit to realize it's late in the afternoon. You don't want any to perish, and we all have a small but important, beautiful part to play in this story. So right now, I pray, just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me a face, show me someone in my life that this applies to. Show me. Holy Spirit. And say, Lord, whatever it takes, this week I want to make progress in participating in your mission. I don't know all the answers, but I know you. <laughs> and just as we close, just raise your, if, 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 if this, you're like, God, this is, sounds like a really great mission, but I don't even know Jesus. I'm one of those harassed and helpless sheep that I need to come home. Can you just lift your hand if that's you? I don't want to assume like I have all really nice and high just so I can see and pray pray with you and see you. Cool. So Father, right now, these two hands or th few hands that have been raised, Lord, we just welcome them into the grace of Christ. We just say to you, sweet man of brother and sister, welcome to the family of God. He's already come all the way to you. His love and grace is greater than your sin and brokenness, so just receive his mercy this morning. You don't have to strive or try. He has died to give you life, literally. And so, Father, I pray for my sister and my brother in the back that you would, by your spirit and grace, transform their life today. And we all, as a church family, just say, Lord, bless them. Fill them with your spirit and with your joy of salvation. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. I love you guys. Go check out. Come talk if you need help or encouragement. And uh, if you want the blessed stuff, just take screenshots. Justin will put it. But I love you big time. Proud of you. Let's do this together.